Welcome to the STEM Everyday Podcast. Putting STEM into the classroom. Hi there, and welcome to a special edition of the STEM Everyday Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Woods, and as always, we look for ways to add STEM to the class and encourage it in your students and kids. And this time, we have a special edition where Marion Leary, as part of our Steamrollers podcast, will be interviewing some of the people right now. Welcome to Steamrollers, a new segment of the STEM Everyday Podcast where we will feature women who are paving the way in science, technology, engineering, art, and math, discussing their work in a way that makes it accessible to the everyday listener. I'm your host, Marion Leary. Today I'm talking with Steph Evans of The Stimulus, an aerospace engineer and host of the YouTube channel Twistem, advancing the world of STEM education one video at a time. Steph, welcome. I am very stoked to have you on the segment. Well, thank you very much. I'm very excited to be here. Thank, thank you for the opportunity. Of course. So you do a lot of really cool things, but I'd like to start out by just having you tell our listeners a little bit about aerospace engineering. Okay. Uh, aerospace engineering, it can be a variety of things. For me personally, I focus on the space side of it. You can also do aeronautical, which is airplanes. Um, I step to the space side. You can focus on auto mechanics. It's basically uh, the design of spacecraft, more or less. Um, for me personally, I went with the systems engineering side of aerospace engineering, which works on with requirements, basically what do you need built and what do you need it to do. So would you call yourself a rocket scientist? Is that, <laughs> you know, when people say yes. it's, not, it's not rocket science, to you it is rocket science. It is, yeah. The running joke is that I paid $100,000 and spent four years so that I can say that ironically. <laughs> well, I think that's super hardcore. Uh, so you said you spent four years. What type of education and interest, you know, does it take to be an aerospace engineer? Um, for me personally, my interests have always been in space and exploration. I uh, grew up around an Air Force base, so the aviation side of it was always there, but I always was looking up at the stars and wanting to pursue, you know, exploration. So for me, that's where my interest stemmed, and I attended Missouri University of Science and Technology out in Rolla, Missouri for four years and got an aerospace engineering degree there, and while there, I spent uh, four years on the Missouri S&P satellite design team, so that's really kind of what led up to now. <laughs> and when you say the satellite design team... What does that entail exactly? Um, my team, we competed in what is called the NanoSat competition. It's a competition where 10 universities from around the country compete for a free launch, basically, to the Air Force Research Laboratory. And we would go on a two-year cycle and compete against universities such as MIT, the University of Hawaii. And it was really a great experience. I would recommend anybody in a university uh, that's pursuing engineering to find a design team, not necessarily a satellite design team, if that's not your area of expertise, but definitely get involved with something like that. It was great real-world experience. Cool. That sounds really um, like it was a great experience. It, it, it was. Uh, many nights that were went, we went entirely without sleep, but uh, totally worth it in the end. Nice. So um, one of the other things you do, as I mentioned in the opening, is that you're the host of the Stimulus YouTube channel. Can you tell us a little bit about that? 
Absolutely. Uh, the stimulus was kind of an idea when I went to college, I realized the discrepancy between the men and women ratio there. And it was something that I realized for me growing up as a kid, I didn't have a lot of very visible female role models uh, in the STEM community. And I had never really heard of anybody, any female scientists that were alive. So, you know, you hear about Marie Curie and the stereotypical ones. But for me, I realized that I hadn't had any visible role models. So the whole idea behind the stimulus was for me to maybe become a visible female STEM person for anybody that watched it. And I do a weekly, this weekend STEM news segment, and I get to talk about all the really cool stuff that's happening in the scientific world and the tech world. And I just really, really enjoy getting to share that with people. How do you determine what you will feature on your weekly STEM videos? Uh, typically, I get submissions on Twitter, and I, t I try to use those. Sometimes it's difficult because I get a lot of face news, and I try to keep it balanced. Um, I have a follower that typically submits me biological stories, which isn't my area of expertise, so I'm very grateful for that kind of submission. But typically, I just try to keep it spread out over uh, different types of really cool STEM news. I've, got, I've done everything from laser planes to octopus skin, and I really have just tried to vary it out as much as possible. And sometimes I get overrun with certain topics. So if that's the case, like for space news, I sometimes hold a special nothing but space news segment to cover all the really cool stuff that falls under one category. And I, I've watched some of your videos, and they're great. And you definitely seem like you have a firm grip on the information that you're discussing. What is the prep like for you if to do these videos every week? Um, typically, I will spend six to eight hours of researching stories. Sometimes subject matter comes a little bit easier to me because it might fall under my area, and other times not so much, especially the biological stuff. So I'll typically spend six to eight hours researching, and then I will organize the research in a way uh, that makes sense to talk about it, and then typically I'll do a dry run and then shoot it and edit it and try to get it all done by Saturday night. <laughs> I was watching one of your videos with my nine-year-old daughter, who is also interested in getting into science, and she wanted to know how you came up with your segments, because they're funny, and they're, they have cool graphics throughout, and on varying topics each week. Um, typically, I just kind of make it up as I go throughout the week. It's just, you know, I, I might have seven or eight stories that I want to cover, and if I just don't think that it's going to be interesting enough, or I can't find enough collaborative material, um, I typically try to get two or three articles that are all saying the same thing before I post anything, just to make sure I don't post any misinformation. But yeah, sometimes a lot of jokes will come to me while I'm writing the stories, and I get to be terribly cheesy and have people watch it. It's wonderful. <laughs> do you do all this by yourself, all of the editing and script writing? I do. Only my dog is there for moral support. <laughs> but I and do have a wonderful, sorry, a wonderful graphic artist that does do my graphics. His name is uh, Rob Sabura, and he works for he works uh, with at, uh, the company Creative Squirrel, and he does a lot of really awesome graphics, uh, the ones that I use for my title cards and stuff like that on my channel. Is he the one who did the awesome drawings of you and your dog as Han Solo and Chewbacca, which is seriously mm -hmm. brilliant, and the others yes. that you have? Yes, he does, and I just, I fangirl every time he sends me a new title card. It's amazing. <laughs> Yeah, he's um, very talented. Yeah, um, I love it. <laughs> so you mentioned your dog, Loki. Please don't take this the wrong way, but 
my favorite part of your first video was you chasing chasing Loki who was eating your socks. <laughs> Seriously. Oh, yeah. So funny and cute. Uh, thank you so much. Yeah, he is he is aptly named. Maybe maybe him after a Marvel villain may or may not have jinxed me, but I <laughs> So, for me, when I was looking over your website and social media pages, you are the epitome of STEAM. You use science and art, you bring it together to educate people on a variety of STEM topics. Um, what gave you the idea to incorporate comic book drawings and other sorts of um, art mediums into your uh, videos? Honestly, the art idea mostly came from Rob. I have to give him full credit. I met him on Twitter. And he asked if I would be interested in commissioning him to do some work. And I was fully on board with that idea because I had never really thought about doing a cool title card. You know, if it was just me, I'd be drawing stick figures and putting them up as a title card. So that whole concept, it's just Rob took a lot of stuff that's very important to me and that I'm passionate about, such as Star Wars. I'm a huge geek and a comic book geek with the Black Widow drawing and, and Firefly, and he just made it into something really cool that I felt would, you know, really help reach audiences, and it does, it appears to. Right. And like that you said, you know, you're a real geek. So on your Twitter profile, one of your descriptors is, you know, hashtag geek, and on oh, yeah. your videos, you describe yourself as a self-admitted space geek. So what are your thoughts on the connotations around being a geek? Do you think it's making a comeback? Um, I sort of see it now as the new hipster, cool um, geek. So what do you think about it? I think it is starting to make a comeback. A comeback. Um, you know, for me, I was the nerd, the geek growing up, and I had a lot of geek friends. But I think it's more, you know, it's more acceptable now, especially with the different Marvel movies that are coming out, the revival of the Star Wars series. I think a lot more geeks and nerds are kind of having their day in the sun and I can appreciate that. <laughs> oh, I am right there with you. I am definitely a uh, geek who uh, rocks the tattoos and hipster glasses, trying to break both <laughs> stereotypes. So Excellent. <laughs> um, so going back a little bit to the um, aerospace engineering, if students wanted to learn more about getting into not only aerospace engineering, but engineering, STEM fields in general, what advice would you give them? Um, I would definitely say figure out what you're passionate about because there's scads and scads of engineering fields. I know at my university alone, we have, I think, around 15 different engineering fields to choose from. So there's a lot. Just figure out what you're passionate about. But there's just so much to choose from. And if it's something that interests you, pursue it. Definitely pursue it. I, I grew up in a small town, and so the resources for me weren't always there, but it was something I was very passionate about, and I didn't want to give up, and I'm so glad I didn't. So if it's something that you're interested in, figure out what exactly interests you about it, whether, you know, for me, for space, was it the rocket or the orbital mechanics part of the satellite? You know, for me, I had to figure out what exactly interested me, because there's so many facets to each field of engineering. Has there been any big breakthroughs in the area of aerospace engineering recently that really excited you? Um, for me, personally, I feel like we are on the cusp of the next great space age in our American history. You've got Orion, SLS, 
SpaceX and Blue Origin and Virgin Galactic all stepping up their game in the commercial space area. And stuff like that just excites me. But I have to say the one thing that I am probably most excited about is the Europa uh, mission that they just released the instrumentation on last week. I am so stoked about that. I was squealing when I saw it in the NASA budget this year, and I'm just, I'm so stoked for, for that. That is what I've been waiting for. <laughs> for those of us who might not know what that is, can you explain? All right. Um, there is a mission going to Europa, one of Jupiter's moons, and it is going there to basically look for signs of life. Uh, it's suspected that there are hidden oceans underneath a really thick icy crust on Europa's surface, and it might be habitable. And that's just, to me, just blows my mind. It's like a brain explosion for me <laughs> <laughs> that there might be life in not just the universe, but our, in our own solar system. And there's other places that they're looking for it. But for me, this was the place I really, really wanted to go because we know so little about it. I uh, just, yeah. Speaking currently, <laughs> I can totally hear it in your voice, and I love it. Um, so thank you for that passion. Um, no, if, yeah. our, if our listeners wanted to find out more about the work that you're doing, the stimulus, where can they go? Um, I would rec- definitely recommend my website. It's Steph Ev. Uh, that's a shortened version of my last name. E V V dot Wix dot com slash Twistum. Or you can find me on Twitter at atsethev43, and then the YouTube channel is youtube.com slash the stimulus with stimulus spelled S-T-E-M. Perfect. Steph, thank you so much for joining us on the Steamrollers podcast. It was really a pleasure talking with you. So not a problem. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Marilyn. You're listening to this podcast on the SDAC Broadcasting Network. To find more information about this or other podcast shows, please visit RemarkableChatter.com.